Hi, I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is All Things Terror, a research-based podcast where we bring you stories from science, history, and true crime that will terrify you. And sometimes we speculate on what history is going to be like for future humans. Speculate wildly. But actually, this, <laughs> this works out really well because it's going to wrap into the thing I'm going to tell you about. Which How is about the past. That? I know. We don't do it on purpose, but it happens. Um, and I do have a question for you because, like I said, we're speculating wildly about the future. We're going to go to a time in the past where they also speculated wildly. Um, but also, Jen, you live in a big city now. You've been to big cities. I want you to think about the grossest thing you've ever seen in a city. And while you're thinking, I just want you to know, I'll give you my answer. I've been to places like Mexico City and New York and Rome. I've been to big cities. And the grossest thing I've ever seen is a tie. One is in New Orleans in the French Quarter where it hadn't rained in a long time, but there was just like moisture all over the street and in the gutters, like like after a rainstorm. Um, and my friend jokingly called it New Orleans gravy. And I realized that it was just urine and unidentified liquid <laughs> uh, that was just always in the gutters. And then the other thing is in Chinatown in New York City. And it was when I, I spent a summer there and my parents and my brother and sister came and visited me. And we were coming up from the subway in Chinatown and... Um, it's really busy there. And so there's tons of people and we're just coming up and it's on a street corner and this mom like leans down to talk to her little like child who's like a toddler and she just like nods and then pulls her pants down and the kids squatted and peed right on the sidewalk, like right in the middle, <laughs> didn't move, didn't do anything. And nobody even second glanced. And I was like, well, this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> And disgusting. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually pretty fantastic. <laughs> mm -hmm. And honestly, there have definitely been times in my life where I've thought of that and been very jealous. Like, I wish I could just pee right now. <laughs> so, Jen, what do you think is the grossest thing you've witnessed in a city? So, um, funny enough, I really haven't come across anything in the city that horrific like um so first and foremost i've been to tokyo and that's like the cleanest city i've ever been inside of like there's literally no garbage anywhere <laughs> yeah people... and Au austin is like a car city it's not quite the same as like people who yeah. have to walk to work there's not a lot of foot traffic i mean there is some foot traffic in some places but it is still very much a by a car commuter city yeah. Um, so oh, Chicago is also, I mean, like, I realize there are things about Chicago that are dirty, but, like, in comparison to New York City, Chicago is also pretty clean. Um, Houston is just a fucking armpit, but that's a different story altogether. Uh, yeah. For those of you who live in Houston, I'm sorry, but I fucking hate Houston. Um, the whole place is gross to me. Oh, I forgot one time when I lived in Baton Rouge. Um, they have these little drainage canals because it like rains so much, and so just canals, you know, in the city that drain water away. And I used to walk over one to get to work, 
And one time there was a dead dog in there. And oh, I God. called I called the public works to be like, hey, there's like a dead animal in this thing. And they were like, oh, well, I think I called, no, I called animal control. Or no, I, I think I called animal control. And they were like, oh, we only handle live animals. And I was like, oh, should I call public works? And they go, no, because they don't have jurisdiction over the canals. And I was like, well, who do I call? Like, what's going to happen? And she's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, I do. That thing is going to rot in the middle of a neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, that's basically what happened. Um, because, <laughs> And then every once in a while, like some company or something would come and like suck all the trash out of the canal. But I could never quite figure out who they were or what. But yeah, that was pretty disgusting. Yeah, I I mean, I also lived in the country too. I'm I'm like I've lived in all the places. I live in the country too, like roadkill and like animal carcasses at some point became like I've become pretty desensitized to it, uh, yeah. which is not a great thing, but you know, you do. I mean, especially in the desert, like I don't know how many times like I've been hiking in the desert and been like, "Oh, there's a decaying cow." Yeah. <laughs> Or, oh, that looks like a coyote. I don't know, but it's definitely very flat and dry. But um, I only have one story about Austin that is not my story. Because, like, even in New York City, like, what was gross to me is, like, I remember blowing my nose in... I had spent a lot of time in the subway um, trying to get around the city, of course. And I remember blowing my nose and it just being, like, the mucus being black. And I was like, oh, that seems healthy. <laughs> oh, that's what my mom says every time she visits a city. She says the exact same thing. <laughs> well, your mom and I have this in common. <laughs> yeah. But here is the Austin story. Not my story, but um, apparently by the YMCA, there is a homeless man who um, obviously needs a lot of help. But he will, like, pull down his pants at people that are driving by. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not funny. It's I'm only laughing because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God, that's terrible. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Is it okay to laugh at things that make you feel uncomfortable? I don't know. I, I, I don't know feel... what the moral call is on that. <laughs> I feel like it's the wrong thing, but it's just like my body is just like, I don't know what to do with this emotion. Laugh, laugh. And then I laugh and I'm like, that was wrong. But it wasn't that I thought it was funny. It was just that I didn't know what, what else to do. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? But apparently one time he uh, pulled down his pants and just started taking a shit. Like right oh, there. No. On the oh, no. Oh, no. Like... Uh, there are a lot of things that I don't want to witness in my life, and watching a turd come out of another human being's anus is pretty high on that list. <laughs> well, I didn't get to see it, but um, I imagine that had I saw it, that would definitely go on my on the top of my list. It's like, well, somebody just took a shit, and right I watched it. I I watched the whole <laughs> shit be birthed. <laughs> Well, I wanted to start off with this question because I feel like I have a pretty strong stomach for gross things. I mean, I talk about poop a lot on this podcast, um, 
But the story that's coming up, I first heard on the Stuff You Missed in History podcast years ago, and I have the most visceral memory of listening to this podcast and being like, this is so gross and so weird and so bonkers. Um, And that is the story I'm going to tell you today, and it is the story of the Great Manure Crisis of 1894. So more poop. Is this going to be about poop water? This is going to be all poop all the time. Stuff You Missed in History, if you guys don't listen to it, is a great podcast. Their episodes are usually pretty short, and they're just about, like, things from history that don't get a lot of coverage. Um, And the hosts usually rely on primary sources. Um, And this episode is so funny because they just keep being like, "I I, I don't know how to be serious about this. Um, and they call this, uh, quote, an ongoing issue of poop, (laughs) which you might also describe my work (laughs) with this podcast as. (laughs) So, Emily, would you consider yourself a poop expert? I like to think of myself more as a poop aficionado, you know? I'm not a professional, I'm not getting paid for my opinions on poop, but, uh, I'm a fan. It's gotta, it's gotta get out, and uh, that's good that it does that. So, uh, continue on. No, you, you continue on. Yeah, I mean that is basically a politician answer. So, if based on that, I think I should run for Congress, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so for this episode, we're gonna go back to the 1800s. Uh, I'm there. You're there. This is. Pretty close to our good friends, the Victorians. Which um, we love. We love clothes, table legs, the whole thing. Um, 1894 is usually cited, but this is a really ongoing issue for a long time. Um, London and New York are going to be the main cities that I talk about. And the population explosion that was happening everywhere beginning in 1800, but especially in big cities like these two, is really 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 hard to wrap our mind around like i think we're used to the world's population being large and growing quickly but this is really we're looking at the first time in human history when this happened so like 1800 is the first time that the world population hit 1 billion and it only took 125 years for that to double so in 1800, we hit 1 billion, and then 1925, we're looking at 2 billion, right? Previously, it took over 260 years to double, and then before that, it took almost 600. So we're cutting down the number of times it takes the world's population to double by a lot. Uh, and if we look at America in this era, it's also particularly mind-boggling, so... In 1850, there were 23.7 Americans. In 1900, there were 76 million. Cool. Yeah, so more than triple in 50 years. So that's a lot of babies. (laughs) That is. Well, and for America, it's interesting because we're looking at babies. We're looking at, I mean, as gross as the Victorian and the 1800s era was, It is also where all of a sudden we do get, like, a standard of living and health for the average person that there wasn't before. But also America is interesting because we get 
huge waves of immigration. Uh, and even within one country, we're getting a lot of uh, immigration to cities. So from rural areas to cities, urban areas, because um, of rapid industrialization, right? So yep. I I know people like to be like, oh, the the internet has changed life so much, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shut up. Let's talk about the industrial revolution. Like, I just, I, I, it's really hard to wrap our mind around how much it must have changed. Um, but I do want to focus on cities. And like I said, London and New York, um, because so much of the growth happened in cities. And because of that, you know, you have to bring food in, you have to move food around a lot. Um, you have to move lumber if you're going to build buildings. You have to move people from place to place. Um, and they handled it the same way that we do today in buses or cabs or trolleys or cars, personal vehicles, right? But what is the difference between buses in 1800 and buses in 2020? Oh, horses? Yep. <laughs> Those vehicles were pulled by horses. Not oxen, though. Uh, I mean, probably not. I'm not going to lie to you. At some point during this research process, I googled the average size and weight of the typical horse because I, <laughs> I stay the fuck away from them. I don't like horses. They freak me out. I'm like, y'all stay in your pasture. I'll stay on the road away from your pasture. I do not trust them. So I have no real conception of how big a horse is because I usually try to stay like six or more feet away from them. Um, so probably not oxen, but I don't know. What is the size difference between a horse and an ox? Are they basically the same? <laughs> I, I'm, I feel like... And this is just a feeling. Again, my feelings aren't fact, but I feel like oxen might be bigger and heavier. I feel like they're chunkier, at least. Like they've got, got they've got legs like a football player, you know. <laughs> if animals played football, I don't know. I don't know. This is all just going to be an exercise in terror for me because I don't like horses. But yes, Jennifer, you nailed it. <laughs> these horse, <laughs> these vehicles were pulled by horses. Um, by 1900 in London, there were more than 50,000 horses in the city. Work horses. Um, there were 11,000 cabs. There were carts, delivery, like trolleys or whatever. Thousands of buses. Um, around the same time, New York had 100,000 horses, and at its height, they had 200,000. Um, and even me, who, again, does not trust horses, and I don't think anyone else should either, I have seen horses, I've seen urban horses at a parade or at one of those little horse-drawn carriage bullshits in the city. Um, and if you've seen that, you can probably guess what this episode is going to be about, what do those horses do, Jennifer? They have poop bags, but otherwise they shit right on the ground, and it's huge and sticky. They just shit right on the ground. They don't care. They just... Horses shit, man. They just drop it just willy-nilly all the time. I, I genuinely have never seen an animal give less of a fuck than horses just 
dropping out a little turd like most people fart when they're alone at home. <laughs> you know, in terms of offensive animal poop, rabbits are like that. They will, like, just, they poop out their little pellets. They just dribble it out. Like, are they even aware that it's coming out? But, you know, it's, like, rabbit poop is so inoffensive. It's just, like, it's just, like, these little compact pellets. They don't, like, get wet. They don't damage anything. There's no smell. You just, like, sweep it up, and then, you know, the problem's solved. Yeah. Horse poop, on the other other hand, really fucking gross. (laughs) Yeah, also, horses are, like... 12 feet tall or whatever the fuck and it's like they drop the shit it falls on the ground and it scatters it's like a bomb like imagine a water balloon of diarrhea and just drop it on the ground spread that is what's (laughs) coming out of a horse's behind without any thought for the horse the horse does not care nope doesn't give a shit or well it gave a shit but it doesn't (laughs) but the shit shit is gone (laughs) it has no shits Because it gives them up right away. (laughs) So an average horse uh, will make 15 to 35 pounds of shit every day. Tasty. Every day. 15 to 35 pounds. Or, well, 15 to 35 pounds, not or. And a quart of urine. I mean, that's like a week's worth of McDonald's. That... Yeah, disgusting. Um, <laughs> on the uh, stuff you missed in history, one of them said, that's a small child's worth of waste. <laughs> Which sounds so much like something I would say that I'm like, oh, God, this person is awesome. Yeah, I mean, basically like a toddler shape of shit and piss every single day. <laughs> that's like three cats. Like the size of three Hefty cats worth of poop. Or one Felix. One Felix, yeah, one dog. I mean half half a small human. I mean that's a lot. That's imagine pooping forty pounds a day, Jennifer. I'd rather not. (laughs) (laughs) Pass pass on that imagination train. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I had this thought of, like, would you have a giant poop or just constant stream of tiny poops? And then I was like, don't ask that question. Keep it inside. But I couldn't. (laughs) You know the episode of Family Guy where, like, um, I guess they had, like, a bunch of survivor food, but you're supposed to rehydrate it in water. And instead, like, um, Peter just eats it dry and then he takes a sip of water and he just like blows up like 20 (laughs) times his size and he goes everybody get out i have to poop and then like everybody was just standing there he's like now that's what it has to be like i uh i had a class um it was like a research and writing class and it was themed around food and i had a lot of veterans in there and they were talking about mres um like the field Mm -hmm. rations and I guess some of the field rations will plug you up and some of them will get you moving again. And so, because <laughs> I mean, if you're in the field, they might be like, listen, it can be really inconvenient for you to poop. So, um, 
eat this because uh, we're we're not gonna have good poop times for for a couple days, right? Um, and now you're out of the field and it's it's time to get that moving. So here, chew this gum. Um, <laughs> I mean, rational, I guess. It is, but I was like, wait, do they tell you this officially? And they were like, no, but everybody knows. And I was like, what if you don't know and you just eat the wrong thing over and over again? <laughs> anyway, uh, getting back to horses. So... <laughs> Um, we just can't ever talk about poop. It goes so it goes in so many different directions. <laughs> well, this is like the poop first also season. goes in different directions. I mean, <laughs> we just need to have these episodes periodically where we work real hard to get it all out so that we can be better for the other ones. Which <laughs> so we also can be is a, also a metaphor for poop. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, some of the numbers that I saw means that, uh, at the heyday, when there were all these horses being cars, um, you have numbers like 750 and 1.8 million pounds every day of shit. Um, I saw another one that said that the number was probably more like 2.5 and 4 million pounds a day of shit. A day. A day, Jennifer. Um, and this one, for some reason, just was kind of the worst to me. Um, and I wrote, no, in all caps in my <laughs> notes, uh, 40,000 gallons per day of urine. Mm. This is so gross. Like, you have cats, and if they pee on, like, the side of the cat box, and you don't clean it up right away, or if you've ever been in a disgusting bathroom, like, old urine smells really bad. Urine in general smells bad, but yes. Yeah, I mean, urine in general is not great, but old urine is like, goddamn, it's just terrible. And 40,000 gallons a day, I mean, I can't even think about how many swimming pools that is. I'm going to Google it. Average gallons for swimming pool. Oh my god. If it's a five feet depth and the pool is 15 by 30, so that's like a backyard pool. That's like 19,000 19, gallons. So basically two big five feet deep swimming pools a day of urine. A day. I don't have, like, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the image of people swimming in horse urine <laughs> <laughs> it's just where does it go i mean manhattan is not that big right london is not that big this much stuff is being produced a day like it you really can't wrap your mind around it but i'm gonna keep going because that's how terrible this is um, so Ben Johnson, who wrote an article on Historic UK, um, here's a quote, which for some reason made me gag more than anything else. He <laughs> said, quote, each horse also produced around two pints of urine per day, uh, which is, I think, less than the other thing. Two pints is like. Yeah, the two... other one said like a quart. Wait. A quart. How many Hold pints on. in a quart? Okay, there are four quarts in a gallon. There are 
One qu- well, that's the same. Wait. One quart equals two pints. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, so in school, I had to make customary man. So I was trying to imagine customary man because he had pints for fingers. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm glad it worked. I didn't. I got a <laughs> shitty education, so like the idea that there were measurements at all was like a uh, revelation of my adulthood. Um, shout out. Elko High School. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The longer I live, the more I'm just like, what the fuck were they teaching me for 12 years? I don't think I learned anything. Anyway, um, yeah, all right. So a quart of urine equals two pints. Getting back to the quote. (laughs) Each horse also produced around two pints of urine per day. And to make things worse, the average life expectancy for a working horse was only around three years. Horse carcasses, therefore, also had to be removed from the streets. The bodies were often left to putrefy, so the corpses could be more easily sawn into pieces for removal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yep. That made me gag. Gross, gross, mm-hmm. gross, gross, gross. Uh... In 1880, New York cleared 15,000 deceased horses from the street. That's a lot. That's like a a small town's worth of dead horses that were just left in the street. Cool. That's not fucked up at all. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. Yep, in Stuff You Missed in History, they said that um, horses, quote, it was cheaper to treat a lot of horses very poorly than to treat them well and extend their working lives, end quote. So if horses fell in the street, um, they were often shot on the spot or left to die. Uh, so just imagine that this is like a super normal occurrence. You're walking down the street to go to the store and they just like shoot a horse. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just laughing because that's super terrible. Also, apparently this is like the plot of Black Beauty, which I've never read because, again, I avoid horses. Emily, uh, I'm going to get you a horse one day. Please don't ever get me a horse. I One time I was with my mom and dad and there were like horses in a field behind like a fence and my mom likes horses and she was going up and petting them. Sort of like when I see a cat on a walk and I'm like, hey, kitty, come here and get some scritches. And I like went over and like stood very far away and reached my hand out like far away from my body and like touched the horse like boop with two fingers and then immediately took my hand back and was like there I did it and my mom was like (laughs) I'm really proud of you and I'm like yeah no I'm I'm never doing that again like fuck horses fuck all of them I hate them I don't trust them (laughs) they get all weird and freak out or kick or chomp no no thank you uh for New York in this era um other animals pigs sheep cattle were also around so all of those are going to be shitting a lot cattle poop so much and it's so gross um and they would also die right so cities in this era um and sometimes you know if you think i always think of the show deadwood which i like a lot it's like 20 years old and it was on hbo but it's about uh deadwood and the dakota territories um and 
So some of the better shows like this will have that where like a woman will come in from the streets and like the bottom of her dress is dirty. And um, in the podcast, they talk about how like we think about that being mud um, or dust. Right. But in reality, it was horse shit and piss. Like that's what all that mud is. Um, they called it, quote, a slurry of horse species. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when it was dry in the cities, all of this, like, piss and shit would dry out and become dust that would blow around. So you talked about blowing your nose and it's black. I mean, in 1800, you would have blown your nose and just straight up rehydrated horse shit would have come out. You know, this just takes, let's all take a minute to appreciate how right your history teacher would be if they said you'd hate the past because you wouldn't be able to deal with the smell. You really wouldn't. And I mean, like, the thing that's funny is that I'm sure, like, you know, I did the episode about the Great Stink. Like, there are times where it's gross. And I feel like there's lots of things about summertime in a city being gross. And it still is. I mean, if you spend a summer in New York, you smell garbage all the time. But, like, the amount of background smell that contemporaries would have just not noticed is kind of mind-boggling. Like... (laughs) This I mean, is just I'm just coming in with shit on my dress, no big deal. Right. Like it just would have smelled so bad all the time that you wouldn't even smell it anymore. Um if it rained, like all of that the city would just be swamped in mud and that mud would be poop. Um there are there was like a whole industry of crossing sweepers who would be like, "Hey, I will if you have to cross the street, like give me a dime or whatever and I'll clear a path so you don't have to walk through the shit. Um, which I saw some source, I think it was the Gotham book that I'm going to be citing a lot more later, um, that said that like sometimes in some areas that would get up to like knee high. Um, in 1872, there was a horse influenza epidemic because, sure, of course, that's like what happens. Um, And Boston had a big fire that year, and there weren't enough horses to power the fire trucks. So, like, they couldn't put out the fire as well because they fucking didn't have enough horses to haul things around. Um, Horses also, if you want to think about it, uh, think about a car accident. Now imagine horses in the middle of a car accident. Um, Just, like, upside down and kicking. Um, horses would, because they're skittish and awful, um, they would stampede sometimes, so think about a busy Times Square scene and then put, like, a bunch of stampeding horses in the middle. But is that really their fault? Like, they're not meant to be in cities. I mean, no, it's not their fault, but it's just more evidence for my underlying argument, which is don't trust horses. (laughs) Um... In 1900, New York had 200 mortalities attributed to horse-drawn carriages. Um, And also, all of this shit uh, would do other things, like, uh, for example, attract flies, uh, which can carry 65 illnesses that infect people, including food poisoning or gastroenteritis, typhoid, saw that a lot, salmonella, conjunctivitis, anthrax, tuberculosis, cholera, and... The favorite old-timey disease of this podcast, 
dysentery. <laughs> um, not just for the Oregon Trail, people. Yeah, not just for the Oregon Trail or Emily. Um, it's for everybody when there's millions upon billions of pounds of horseshit in your city. Um, stuff you missed in history said that in the United States, when horses were the main mode of transportation, three billion with a B flies hatched daily in the United States. Tasty. Also tasty. I mean, horse poop. Three billion flies. Did everyone have a Venus flytrap as a pet? I mean, some things from, like, period dramas start making more sense, right? Like, having a servant fan you, because <laughs> there's billions of flies, right? Um, that cliche of, like, someone throwing a jacket in the street so the lady could walk over it. Well, yeah, bitch, this is silk and there's no washing machines and some poor seamstress had to, like, sew this by hand. So, yeah, I don't want to get this soaked in horse urine, right? Um, and, of course, like, you can't lift the hem of the dress at all because that would just be scandalous. That would show your ankles. And what are you, a hussy? Exactly. Um, you also think about, like, all the, like, Jane Austen novels and stuff where rich people have second homes in the country that they go to for the summer, and this makes so much sense, right? There's not 100,000 horses shitting up to your first-story window there. Fresh country air. Yeah, exactly. It has a whole new meaning. <laughs> it has a whole new meaning that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, There's also, I mean, if you think about horses, they have to fucking eat to make all that shit. So, um... One horse could eat uh, one between 1.4 and 2.4 tons of hay a year, um, which means that for each horse you needed about five acres of growing hay. Um, at the peak for New York, um, that means that there were 15 million acres of land needed to produce hay to feed horses, which is a fucking lot of farmland, right? And if you're growing hay to feed horses, you're not you know, taking growing care food. of the environment or growing food. Yeah. Um, so horses, man, what a problem. Using a lot of water. Using a lot of water, pissing out a lot of water, putting that piss into water. Ugh, Jesus fucking Christ. So uh, this is super gross. And what do they do to try and make it less super fucking gross? Um, well, in 1818, New York created licensing for quote-unquote dirt carts um which like uh the great stink episode is such a delightful euphemism because really it was like carriages full of shit that they hauled out of the uh city uh <laughs> and for a while farmers would take the manure like they'd pay for it because it could be a fertilizer um, but after a while, there was so much that the market totally flipped and stable owners would pay other people to take it um, or if they couldn't pay someone to take it, um, they would just throw it in a vacant lot. And this book, which sounds very good, um, let me find the name. It's called Gotham, A History of New York to 1898 by Edwin G. Burroughs and Mike Wallace, um, which I did not get to read the whole thing of because COVID, um, but I was able to see some bits on Google Books. Um, so that book points out that um, 
in New York, it cost as much to move horseshit from Canal to Cortland Streets, which are maybe a mile apart, um, as it did to move waste from Chicago to New York. So, like, nobody wanted this poop. Nobody wanted to deal with it. There was so much of it that, like, you had to pay so much for people to take it anywhere. Um, (laughs) If you couldn't pay it, people would just throw it in a vacant lot. And those piles of horseshit in vacant lots would get 40 to 60 feet high. Jesus. Yeah. That's like a two-story house. Right? That's like a several-story house. How big is a story? Feet of a building story. Google is really getting a lot of plugs this time. Uh, 14 feet. So, what did I say? Uh... 14, how many times does 14 go into 60? Are you seriously asking me to math? No, I'm asking Google. How many stories is 60 feet? I would never ask you to math. I don't know, like four four stories and some change? How many feet in one story? This is saying it's about 10. So yeah, I said a two-story building. That's more like a four to six-story building. So... An apartment building's height. A small apartment building's height of horseshit in a vacant lot. Which means probably that you live in an apartment building next to that pile of shit. Especially if you're poor. Oh, especially if you're poor. Lower East Side, baby! Um, In 1866, New York instigated a big cleanup. And they were like, listen, this is going to be our year. This summer, we're going to get it all taken care of. And they took 160,000 tons from vacant lots. Oh, God. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And the guy who worked on Central Park, they hired him to try and figure some of this cleaning out. Uh, His name is George E. Waring Jr., if you're interested. Um, And there's this book that I mentioned earlier also states that Um, government corruption and incompetence would also like hinder a lot of these efforts. So, you know, we're still trying to figure out what it means to be in a city that's growing rapidly in this unprecedented growth. So even, you know, people who are trying their hardest are just not going to know what to do. That's just not a protocol for this kind of thing. Um, and then also this is kind of the halcyon days of, you know, paying people and I'm going to put my brother-in-law on the job and, um, the expectations for government, I think, were quite low in those days, <laughs> even as far low as we have sunk today. So it's just <laughs> the idea that this would be efficiently taken care of is hilarious. Um, but people did try. Um, in 1898, there was this 10-day urban planning conference uh, in London, and it was sort of unprecedented. They got like a bunch of you know, people who would be involved in these decision-making to try and, like, come up with an idea of how to solve this problem. Um, And after three days, they just canceled the conference. (laughs) Because they're like, well, we have nothing else to talk about. Nobody has any ideas. Why waste another week of our lives? (laughs) Yep. It's pretty terrible. Um, The Times in London predicted, quote, in 50 years, every street in London will be buried under nine feet of manure. Yep. Uh, other things that came out of this era, the ASPCA, 
interestingly enough, this, like, rich guy was like, yo, what if we just, like, weren't cruel to horses? Like, what if we, like, didn't beat them up and shoot them in the streets and left them to rot? Um, and he, like, spent his life trying to do that. Um, so that's the start of the ASPCA, which we still have, interestingly enough. Um, it's also the beginning of a lot of traffic laws. Um, this guy, Will Phelps Eno, is considered, quote, the father of traffic safety. And he traveled extensively and then came back to New York to, um, like, enact a lot of reforms. Um, in 1897, he proposed an underground subway route for New York. Um, he created stop signs, yield signs, pedestrian islands, and driving on the right side of the road for America. Um, so this helps with accidents, of course, but what about the poop? Um, the horrible, horrible, mind-boggling amounts of poop. Well, um, none of these efforts really worked. Like, none of them. Nothing, nothing that was done made the problem better. Um, which is upsetting and kind of disheartening. Instead, um, in 1903, a man started a little assembly line, and in 1908, uh, the Ford Model T was like, what's up, bitches? I'm here. Um, Henry Ford and his company specifically created ads, um, comparing horses and cars. Um, there was this one ad uh, where they talk about how old Dobbin, which is apparently like a name for a horse, um, is more of a hassle and it costs a lot and it doesn't work as well as a car. Um, by 1912, which is just four years after the Model T came out, um, there were more cars on New York streets than horses for the first time in history. Four years. So cars solved the manure crisis, but they created a different crisis. Yeah. So at one point in history, this point in history, cars were clean energy. <laughs> in comparison. Uh, in comparison, yeah. And and 99% Invisible has a little, which is a great podcast, but they have a little article that they say it. this technology didn't so much solve the waste issues as it just kind of shifted it, right? Like, yeah, our cities aren't drowning in manure anymore, thank God, but we have a different problem. Um, and interestingly, um, a couple years ago, like, I guess probably closer to like 10 years ago, um, this idea got picked up by the Freakonomics guys, and they connected it to climate change and said, look, we really think that this is what will happen with climate change is that you know, we're really worried about this problem and we're predicting doom, just like people did with manure. Um, and then technology came around and, and made that problem really obsolete. And their argument is that they think technology will do that again with climate change, that we're really worried about this. And it doesn't mean we don't worry about it, but it's that we should put our faith and our efforts into innovation that will make that problem obsolete. Um, but they're pretty strongly critiqued on that. Um, there's this really like scathing article in the New Yorker, which is probably the most pretentious and terrible phrase I've ever said, um, where she kind of takes it apart and then goes, what the fuck? Those guys are idiots. Um, <laughs> but it is an argument that gets brought up. Um, and I'm sure there's some sort of name like the technological fallacy or whatever. Um, but 
this author, the New Yorker author, Elizabeth Colwart, does take the same starting point where she starts looking at this crisis and says that um, it really is considered like an urban planning parable where you think about how do we plan for these things? And yet, you know, there's always going to be something that, um, that, that changes your plans, right? Throws it awry. Um, she says, call it the horrible of the, the, call it the parable of the horseshit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, so that's the great manure crisis. It, it really has an anticlimactic ending, um, because yeah, we, we still don't really have a neat, tidy issue out of it. Like it seems the height of hubris to just assume that technology will save us all the time. Um, but it did, thank God, because now we have the internet instead of living underground in horseshit. Or does make me think about the expression that's a load of horseshit. Right. <laughs> uh or uh being drawn to something like flies on shit. Yep. <laughs> um it also, like, I know I've said it before that I'm pretty sure the past just smelled bad all the time. But, like, this this really is just, like, absolutely mind-blowing. Like, it just, it's so hard to wrap your mind around that much shit and that much, like, stink. And yet that would just all be background. Health risk. <laughs> yeah, health risk. Like, I didn't see anything about this in my research, but also, like, urine has horrible caustic things in it like breathing urine fumes cannot have been good for anybody's lungs like no wonder they were dying of like tuberculosis all the goddamn time among other things i mean among other things Ugh. so yeah um so much that was a shitty story (laughs) hey that (laughs) i went for dad joke of the day you do i'm proud of you <laughs> and um you know poop responsibly people not don't poop outside in front of cars please don't poop willy-nilly like a horse you're better than that you have a toilet mm-hmm. or something something akin to a toilet at least a concept of privacy <laughs> Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. Happy pooping. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever.
Hello. I am not here. Leave a message after the beep. Beep. I'm just going to hang up because I'm a millennial. <laughs> but unfortunately, if you hang up on like a with a cell phone and you don't have like a regular um voicemail like the old school voicemail you don't get the beep 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 sound when somebody hangs up <laughs> yeah or do you remember when like it would actually record the sound like you'd hear a click sound you'd be like great i'm so glad i heard that <laughs> rude Ugh, terrible well thank god for text messages right i mean really voicemail is obsolete in my opinion yeah i mean the only thing i think voicemail is good for is like if i get a number on my phone that i don't know i'm not going to answer it so then if it is someone i know who's trying to get a hold of me like then you leave a voicemail and i'm like oh, okay yeah i'll call you back now i know you're not a telemarketer that's the only thing voicemail is good for i mean fair enough that's fair but sometimes parents... you still leave voicemail messages <laughs> Yeah, you do, because you like to troll me. My parents yes. don't even leave voicemails anymore, which is how you know that this thing is truly dying. I mean, that's shocking. I know. Hopefully some historian, like 200 years in the future, assuming there is a future, will find this and then they'll be like, listen to this hot, delicious take on voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess like... Um, assuming that we all don't die from climate change or civil war or nuclear war. Um, or, or literally anything, something unforeseen that we can't imagine right now. <laughs> an asteroid. <laughs> A super volcano. Um, any of these things. Assuming that doesn't happen, like, what will, like archaeology and anthropology look like i mean i said this once uh clint and i were like chatting on a computer and i was i said like oh archaeology won't be so exciting in the future because it's just going to be looking at computers like imagine <laughs> indiana jones like busting through a wall and then sitting down and typing and he just said what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> well it is it is an interesting problem. Um, so, you know, think about how far removed we are from early human history and how many things that we just don't know or how many things we have been wrong about past human civilization. Yeah, and or just think about, like, you don't even have to think far back. Think about what if there's, like, a historical evidence on a VHS. <laughs> now you have right. to find... A, a VCR VHS player, yeah, yeah, and that's insane to me because I was thinking, like, well, I mean, I'm not saying that like computers won't exist in the future. I'm just saying that the concept of computers could be very different. And you know, think about like thirty thousand years into the future, like, what the fuck are they gonna do about powering up these like shitty old gadgets that may or may not work anymore? Especially like, uh, if you think about how much of human history at this time is digital and then i was thinking about like this conversation i it's in the soft part of my memory so i can't uh tell you what i was listening to but somebody was describing the problem of 
nuclear waste and how um, if you store nuclear waste somewhere, how do you warn future human civilizations oh, about this, this being dangerous? That's a good point. This empty land isn't empty. There's nuclear waste underneath. Right. Yeah. And then and then it's like, well, we can try to create a sign, a symbol, and have language, but that doesn't necessarily mean that whatever language that we put it in is going to survive through the years. And it also doesn't mean that that symbol is going to mean anything to those people. Yeah, well, and I also think about how much of our history is being controlled by corporations right now. Like, if you think about when we were in high school, everybody had CD collections, right? Yep. So, so you know, if I died at 16, you know, archaeologists could look at my, like, CD collection. Well, now, like, my computer doesn't even have a disk drive on it. So anything that I watch, anything that I download, anything that I listen to is online. So if Spotify or Hulu or Netflix disappears, well, so does theoretically all of these cultural things, right? Yep. So in some ways, I wonder if it might be very difficult to study individuals. Like, we can study corporations, but we can't study what a household is like. So in conclusion, keep Fuck. a <laughs> journal <laughs> and, and use paper. <laughs> Yeah. In conclusion, damn it. <laughs> All right, 10 seconds of silence. <laughs> <laughs>